With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome back. One half of the Noble and Roos show on Ball's Life. Co-host of the State of the Rockets and Rockets Watch, Roosh Williams. Along with discussing the progression of the young upstart Houston Rockets, we get Roosh's perspective on the Houston Astros World Series victory. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Again, at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you get some of your comments via email, we'll make sure to read them on the show and discuss either positives or negatives you might have for Matt and I. Also, we're available through all the handles through Hoopsology Pod. We're a proud member of Underdog Podcast. He is the host of the Noble and Roos show. He is the host of the State of the Rockets podcast and the host of Rockets Watch. We welcome back to Hoopsology, Roosh Williams. Roosh, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's funny to hear that I'm the host of all those things. It just doesn't, I don't even think of it like that. So it's funny to hear that played back. I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. I remember having fun last time I was here. Great to have you back. An exciting time to be in Houston right now. So uh, forgive this corny line, but throwing a little bit of a curveball, going with some baseball talk to start. Uh, <laughs> how are things in Houston right now? How does it feel? Astros winning the World Series, of course. It's awesome. I mean, it's everything you want it to be, right? Uh, they obviously they won in 2017. They faced everything they faced. You know, people trying to delegitimize the 2017 title and tarnish. I mean, honestly, stain and tarnish some of these guys' careers. Even guys like Jose Altuve who statistically did not use, you know, the science stealing system. So all that, all that stuff comes to a head, you know, it vindicates the 2019 game seven loss. It doesn't vindicate it, but it erases the pain. Uh, it undoes much of the pain. Like I had, I had that blacked out in my head. And today I finally went back and like rewatched some of game seven when they blew it. Uh, just cause now it's like, whatever, we, we got a second one. So it's fine. <clears throat> and then it, uh, it, it obviously vindicates them for everything that's happened. And, um, it just feels good, man. What a run. You know, I mean, they swept the ALDS. They swept the ALCS. They blew a 5-0 lead in game one of the World Series. They were victims of, you know, a, a World Series record five home runs, I think, in game three. It looked very, very grim. And then they bounced back with a no-hitter, and they held the Phillies to, to what, three runs in the, in the next three games. So, I mean, I was in the city um, for, for game six. I went to the parade seeing all of it happen. And then, and then the cherry on top is Dusty Baker finally climbing the mountain and planting yeah, the flag. Agreed. It's an Astros flag. You know, it's like, yeah. what a storyline. Like Dusty comes back and gets it. First one as a manager, first one period in what, 41 years, Jeez, uh, wow. you know, and, and then, and then he does it with this team, this, this cheating Astros team, you know? So it's like, how about that? <laughs> is it odd to see like the Astros who who you've watched and rooted for for years turn into like the national villain and kind of that, that one team, like they're like, I don't know, in a different way, like the Miami heat when LeBron was there, something like that, you know, I mean, obviously way different circumstances, but what is that like to see that sort of transition in the public eye? 
it's so weird. It's so weird because, <clears throat> well, first of all, I live in LA, so I'm surrounded by Dodger fans, right? So it's like the people I'm around off <laughs> off rip are just like, oh god, the Astros, boo, they suck, they cheated. But it's funny because when you're on this side of it, and I've looked into it as much as as much as anyone can, right? I've seen the players, not the Astros players, but other players in the MLB basically say like they weren't the only ones, multiple players. Uh, you see the stats bear themselves out where the Astros were actually better on the road. One of my things the whole time was like, you know, these guys are professional hitters. And yeah, you can catch a sign and steal it and bang the trash can, which by the way, I just want to point out the outrage over that is so funny to me. These dudes are banging trash cans. Like, like what are we in a Wiley Coyote cartoon? Like, you know what I mean? like, come on. So, stomp system. Right? It's, it's like, give me a break, dude. Like, come on. And then that graduates to claims of buzzers, even though that there's literally not even a shred of evidence to support any of that. And that comes from a tweet from a fake burner. It's just like, basically you realize who actually took two seconds worth of time to look into it and who is just mad just, just on like the surface level, you know? And so, when you look at it from that angle, oh, and this is the other thing I was going to say, these guys are professional hitters. Like, yeah, you can steal the signs, but they got there with their, like baseball players are very routine oriented. You know, the slightest thing to break that routine tends to go against them and tends to make them uncomfortable. So, you know, you're, you're a hitter, you're at the plate, you're getting ready. And then you hear like the trash can, all of a sudden it changes your, <laughs> your approach and all, you know what I mean? Like even in that split Good second, and, yeah. and that's all it takes for, you know, to, to miss a pitch. Right. So so like I said, they were better on the road statistically. Go look it up. It's I mean, it's there. They were better on the road that season and they won two games in the World Series on the road. And obviously the reason the road is important is because they only used the, the trash can system at home. Right. So you just see all these things and you put it together and, and it's you, you just kind of laugh at the people that are so mad because you're like, man, you have no clue, dude. They, they made four World Series. Only one of them, only during one of them were they using this system. People also conveniently forget that the Yankees and the Red Sox got slapped uh, at the same time as the Astros. The only difference is that they claim to have stopped, you know, in the postseason. and the Astros <laughs> reportedly didn't. It's like, come on, man. Like we're really this mad over what, you know? And so, um, so yeah, it, it's been weird to see, see them become the villain, but it's also been cool because the fan base really has like just grown this like huge, I don't know, this like callous. You, you can't penetrate it. It's like, bring it on dude we don't care i hope they cheat again you know I hope, they, <laughs> I hope they keep cheating and keep cheating and again it's all subjective right it's like you got the yankees sure. steroids of you course. know yeah. dynasties and it's like oh but that's a different type of cheating it's like man, it's, come on you know so. so one of my favorite websites used to be yourteamcheats.com, which i don't know if you've ever been there or heard of it it's it's focused on like nfl but it's it's great i don't know i don't even know if it's still updated but it used to list out just all the current cheating allegations against nfl teams it is like across the board incidents for every single nfl team of course um i, I mean look, so I if, guess, you, if you look at um, like the, like a, a ton of Phillies, Phillies fans on Twitter, for example, were like, oh, the Astros are cheating. And, and then you see how out of hand it gets because they'll see like Framber Valdez just going like this. And they're like, oh, he's using sticky stuff. And it's like, dude, Aaron Nola has a black circle on the bill of his hat that he continues <laughs> to grab. Like, what are, what are we looking at here? No one's complaining. But the Phillies were accused of cheating in, I think, 2008 or 2009. You know, it's like, just just go look. The, the Patriots, they filmed practice. Mm-hmm. You, like, you want to talk about cheating? If you film someone's practice in football, you got all the cards, buddy. Like, and and no one cares, right? So give me a break. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's being too cynical or whatever, but I, I do tend to think 
everyone's doing something. It's just who's getting caught and exactly. maybe in certain instances, how egregious is it really? But yeah. I mean, come on, you think your team is full of saints. You like know? Reggie Bush getting his Heisman removed, you know, like how unjust is that? You think he's the only one that got justice. That was a, a disgrace. Like, Dude, so I went to USC yeah. law school. I've been on campus. His Heisman's not there. It's, it's, it's sad, honestly. Yeah. Like, I feel like I was never a, a USC fan growing up, but it's like, that's sad, dude. He had a, he was awesome. And he gets erased from the books for that. So it's kind of the same thing. It's like you feel like the scapegoat and therefore you just don't care. So. <laughs> for sure. Well, I guess since we're a basketball podcast, we'll move into some basketball, even though this has been very fun recounting the Astros uh, climb here. Uh State of the Rockets right now. You host State of the Rockets podcast. So let me just ask you, we went over the State of the Rockets. We talked a lot about Raphael Stone and the job that he's been doing there. What are you seeing so far? It's it's early. You know, we're about an eighth of the way through the season. What are you seeing from the Rockets so far and how they're developing? Yeah, so there's a lot there. So, you know, steer me however you, if you got specific questions, sure. let me know. But it's been about, the Rockets are about 15% of the way through their season. Uh, they're two and 10. They're not very good. Uh, they started out, you know, the, the big conundrum, the big debate with the Rockets right now is they started out um, wanting to bring Alperin Shingun off the bench. And a lot of people were split about that idea. They're going to go real guard heavy with Kevin Porter Jr. kind of being like their heliocentric type guy. And then they're, you know, they got Jalen Green, Jabari Smith. So then Bruno Fernando gets hurt, who was their starting center. And by, by way of default, Alperin Shingun is now the starting center. And he is proving that he deserves to be the starting center. So they started out really rough. They were 28th, I think, in offensive rating. Um, they were bottom, you know, three or four in the league in defensive rating. They were just very bad. They still are very bad. But um, they have now moved their offensive rating up. I think they're 24th in the league, if I'm not mistaken, at least on NBA.com. And that is largely in part due to Alperin Shingun starting, right? So he they the thing about the Rockets is they don't have an engine. They don't have like a player that offensively just makes things go and hum along smoothly. Steven Silas's vision has seemingly been to, to to make Kevin Porter Jr. that engine. I just don't think he's cut for it. You know, I mean, he's a he's a fine player. He's got a lot of skills, long way to go, long way to grow. Um, but he's in it. He's inefficient and he's kind of like a volume scorer with secondary creating ability. He's not like a James Harden, you know, five out. Let me go to work and everybody's going to eat kind of player. And there's nothing wrong with that. Alperin Shangun, though, uh, really, you know, kind of is like the glue that makes it all work. And so he started for the last seven games. And over the last three games, they have really started to see some improvement. Um, you know, at, at one point this season, they were scoring 106 points per 100 possessions, which is two points per 100 possessions less than they were last season. And last season, they were terrible offensively. They, they, they scored like 108.1 point, points per 100 possessions. Now they're up to, I think on the season, they're up to like 108.7 or so. So they've jumped to almost three full points per hundred possessions because they're starting Shingun. Over the last three games, they're scoring, I think, 119.6 points per hundred possessions, which is much better than they've been doing. Their defense is still bad. I think worse than the league um, over that same stretch. But at one point, they were terrible offensively and defensively. Now they're looking like the classic young team that's really good, puts up a bunch of points offensively, but can't defend worth a lick. And I think that's kind of on target to, to develop. So... So that's where they're headed. They need a lot more from Jabari Smith. He is, it's going to take him some time. He looks like a project at the moment. Um, he needs to get some confidence going. He had a good game last night um, against the Raptors, 15 and 10. 
um, which was nice to see. But but yeah, they've got a lot of individual pieces that are starting to grow. But I think the highlight this season has been Alperin Shangun taking the leap, averaging 17 points, 10 boards, 1.1 blocks, uh, two something assists per game. He's uh, shooting 79% from the free throw line on almost six attempts per game. And he's doing all of this in like 27 minutes. So pretty impressive. I think that was a great summary of um, all the major issues that I've been following with the team and, and everything that's going on there. In terms of their offensive improvement, uh, and obviously the main thing being Shangun in the starting rotation, as you mentioned, are are you seeing changes in, in the offensive schemes coming from Coach Silas, or is it purely like just the better creativity, vision, the way the ball is moving around the court when Shangun's out there? I think it's the latter. I don't know that for sure, right? I haven't talked to Steven Silas, but if you sure. listen to Steven Silas' interviews um, that he's given over time preseason, during the season, he always seems to speak of Alperin Shangun as like this, this piece that he's trying to figure out and make work. And it doesn't seem like he realizes that the answer is like literally in, in front of his face. Just let the guy work, right? And And so it's the latter. I think the ball just moves. And I think you know, first few games that Shingun started, it was very clunky. That's why I used that last three game sample because it, it's starting to trend up in a very you know serious way. Obviously, we'll see what continues to happen. We'll monitor, but trending up. Um, <clears throat> so it seems like it took them a while to kind of start getting it, and they're they're slowly piecing it together. And I and you know you even see like last night I saw KPJ make some reads that were legitimate point guard reads, which which it's taken him a while to get there. And it seems like Shingun moving the ball and having that vision is kind of infectious, right? Everyone starts to see it. One stat, um, before Shingun was was starting, the Rockets were dead last in the league in assist percentage, right? The amount of field, goal, field goals made that they assist on, it was 50%. It was like hovering around 50 51%. Terrible. At the same time, I don't know what it is now, but at the same time, the Spurs were leading the league at 70%, right? So for a young team that just needs to find it on offense, you compensate by moving the ball, right? If you devolve into ISO play with inefficient ISO players, I mean, you're going to get your ass beat and have one of the worst offenses in the league, which is what was happening. So um, the last three games, though, I'm going off the top of my head here. I might not, might not have it perfect, but last night, I think they assisted on 29 of 37 made field goals. In the game before that against Orlando, I think they assisted on 31 out of 46 made field goals. And then in the game before that against Minnesota, they I think they assisted on 27 out of 40 made field goals. So the ball is moving and it's, it's infectious, right? It's Shingun. Jalen green had six assists last night. I think that's his career high. It's either six or seven close enough. Right. So like the ball's moving and you can see that everyone's starting to eat. Um, you know, guys are moving, cutting, driving, kicking. There's still some ISO play. It's not perfect, but they are, they are smoothing it out. Um, I know Steven Silas post game, I think after Orlando, after they beat Orlando, talked about how he's been, you know, telling everyone they need to move the ball, move the ball. So maybe some of it is Silas as well, but it just seems like in terms of actual execution, it happens when Shingun is playing. So to that point, I watched that Rockets Magic game, and it's weird because, you know, these are two teams that are not in contention, but that was fun to watch. I really enjoyed it um, and really showed the potential of the, the Rockets, like you are mentioning, the ball movement and their explosiveness. That's why I noticed as well. So when it comes to when we head to, you know, toward Martin Luther King Day or to the All-Star break, where do you see the Rockets ending up? Like you said, with making the change with Sangoon, do you see this team possibly moving up the standings and not necessarily, maybe you feel this way, moving into a positioning for the play-in tournament, but just you know, seeing some improvement in terms of not being at the bottom of the Western Conference? 
You know, I think that they will. I don't have the standings in front of me, but I think they'll continue to be at the bottom. I think OKC is a better team. Um, I mean, they have the best player between the two teams in, in Shea Gilgis Alexander, and we were, we're already seeing him. He's having a crazy year, right? Very good player, probably an all-star caliber, definitely an all-star caliber player, possibly an all-star if OKC can win a few few more games. Um, you know, the Kings, I, I haven't really monitored the Kings, to be honest, so maybe the Kings would, would plummet. I, I don't know where the Kings are. The Spurs have looked decent, you know. They're not great, but they're winning a few games here and there. Um, better, definitely better than the Rockets so far. So I just don't know who would be worse than the Rockets in terms of climbing the standings. Um, and I know that off memory, the first when I first looked at the schedule, the first 29 to 30 games was like, wow, the Rockets might win six of those, you know, and so far the first 12 have pretty much gone exactly as predicted. We, you know, all Rockets fans, when we looked at the schedule, reasonable Rockets fans, when we looked at the schedule thought, okay, maybe they take one out of the two against Utah and maybe they beat Orlando. And that's exactly what has happened. So they're two and 10 um, at this rate, you know, they're, they're on pace to go like what, six and 30 uh, through the first almost half of the season. Um, So, you know, I I don't know if they will climb the standings, um, but I just hope that they continue to compete, right? They're they're finally like they won a game and then they took the the Raptors down to the wire and made it a really competitive game because they're really young. You know, they don't have like, I mean, their vet, their vet is Eric Gordon, you know, and Eric Gordon's a good player, but Eric Gordon's not like the kind of vet that's like going to will you to an additional 10 victories, you know? So I think ultimately they're too young and they will remain too young to execute and like do what it takes to win multiple games down the stretch. Um, But I, one of my main goals for the season was for the Rockets to finish top 20 in offensive rating, which sounds kind of like, you know, like who cares about that top 20, like that's not impressive, but man, to go from being one of the worst to being, you know, top two thirds in the league, I think would be a market, a market improvement. Um, And they're trending that way right now. So yeah, I don't think they'll win games, but I want them to compete. That being said, they were the worst team in the league two years in a row. So if they are the worst team in the league three years in a row, I think that also presents its own issues um, that would possibly be, re- be reflective of, you know, coaching, I think. So we'll see. So if that remains the case, I, you know, in 2023, a lot of experts, basketball fans are saying that, you know, the draft is could be with the top two prospects, the best in history. So where is your mindset if, if if the season does lend itself to you know another you know pretty bad season record wise? Are Rockets fans excited at the prospect of just either getting Victor Binyanyama or Scoot? I think how is that going to work? You think? So earlier I was saying I don't know who would be at the bottom of the standings. I, I guess I forgot about the Lakers. Um, maybe the Lakers could be there. I, I have trouble. <laughs> I have trouble thinking that LeBron would actually let that happen. Um, but Great. the evidence is beginning to bear itself out to to suggest that that might be the case so maybe look if the lakers what i'm afraid of is the lakers being that bad getting the number one pick that pick becoming new orleans the 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 pelicans have the pick if it's top 10 i think Mm -hmm. that pick goes to new orleans and then new orleans adds Wembanyama to what they have going on (laughs) in the same division as the rockets that's my that's my concern that being said um look if the rockets get Wembanyama or scoot there's there's a lot to be excited about in houston um but it's just so tough to predict, you know, I mean, they were the worst team in the league last two years. Then they got the, the number two and the number three pick, you know, and they, they basically missed out on the opportunity to draft an engine, you know, Cade, Paolo Bancaro, you know, both of those guys are offensive engines. Um, now, how would they have fit? How would Bancaro fit with Shangun, for example? I don't know. We will figure that out. We would have had to figure that out, you know, had it happened. But in order to have that type of future, generally speaking, 
you want that engine, right? And so they still don't have that. Maybe Shingun is that long-term. We'll see. Um, I don't think Wembanyama is that. I think Scoot could be. But either of those players, I think, significantly change Houston's trajectory for the better. Absolutely. One of the other things that I think is concerning just as a fan or, or just when looking at any team that hangs out at the bottom for a couple of years is you wonder if momentum starts playing a factor. I mean, you have, um, and I'm not saying the Rockets are outright doing this, but you, you've seen like the process in Philadelphia when they did that, but they had a lot of non-coherent starting fives and things like that that they were rolling out during that. Um, it, from what you're seeing, I mean, recent example, I guess, would be that um, KJ had asked for a trade and then now it's looking like he's willing to talk about an extension. And, and I think a lot of that ties in with what you're talking about, that that the offense is starting to improve. I mean, if guys are at least scoring, putting up more numbers, that definitely helps with chemistry and culture of the team. What do you see in terms of the culture of the team? And, and are you worried about this sort of like loser mentality setting in or, or something like that, not being able to come out of, you know, three years of being towards the bottom of the league in the standings. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, that's what was concerning about Shingun not starting, right? There's losing. And then there's like having fun while you're losing. And they're, they're two very different things, right? Um, both for the actual players and the team and the people in the building and for the fans, you know, fan rockets fans were watching them play, you know, bottom, just bottom three, bottom two defense and offense and Shangun wasn't starting and it looked ugly, right? It just didn't look good. It looked like they had no idea what they were doing. It looked like they were playing pickup basketball. And it was honestly, it was kind of embarrassing. Um, but now they're starting to play like NBA basketball, even when, even though they play bad defense and they make mistakes and turnovers, they're playing NBA basketball. You're seeing it kind of like begin to slowly come together. So if that is happening, I think that's important. Um, and, and some of that does have to do with KJ actually getting minutes to play and prove himself. He's having a great year so far. So am I worried that, you know, they'll, they'll fall into a loser mentality? I, I guess my worry is, again, I don't mean to harp on Silas, but, you know, that's kind of been my thing, right? Is like, what does he see with the, the players he's given to, to you know, bench Shingun or to play a certain way or whatever, run certain rotations, whatever it is. Like, what is he seeing and how does that feed into how these kids develop? Because they're young, right? And so first two, three years are really important and what they're being taught and how they're being taught to play is really important. So it's less of like a loser mentality and more of like, man, I hope they're being given like the right, you know, tools to actually grow, not just as individual talents, but like as a team, you know? Um, and, and Steven Silas has a lot to prove to me in that regard. You know, uh, I haven't really seen yet now, like I said, it's trending up. So I'm going to give it 82 games to monitor. And that's, you know, that's the approach. I'm not calling for his head or anything for sure, but, but I am, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see like, again, is Alperin Shangun kind of this nuisance that he's like got to figure out or does he view him as, can he eventually begin to view him as like a, a coveted piece, like his offense really. So Alperin Shangun is over the last three games has begun to help make Silas look like a good coach, you know? And I want at some point Silas to, stop combating that and to just understand like, Hey, there's a different way. Whatever vision I had wasn't coming to fruition and I need to be willing to adapt and adjust because this is actually kind of starting to work a little bit. So, so that's, that's my concern. Um, you know, but but look, anything can happen. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. They they have had a tough schedule. Part of that is because every team they play is better than them because they suck. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) what's a tough schedule and what's just being the worst team. I don't know. Um, right. You know, but 
But look, Shingun's 20, and he's a young 20, right? He turned 20 in July. Jabari's 19, very long way to go. He hasn't even been – he's been a negative force in terms of, like, impact on the team, impact on winning. He has been a negative okay. impact on winning so far. What do things look like when that – if and when that begins to change for the better? Um, KPJ is, like, their, you know, leader. He's 22. I mean, he's he's still very young. Uh, Shingun, like I said, 20. KJ's, I think, 21. Um, Jalen Green, 20, you know, Usman Garuba, 20. I mean, they're kids, you know? So, so I don't know. It's, it's, you know, there are times where they're really impressive for being kids. And then there's times where you're just like, oh damn, they're definitely kids. So at some point, maybe that changes and maybe you kind of see that leap. I I think they're going to need another top piece in the draft. And I think they're going to need a trade or a big free agent signing or a couple big free agent signings to like make it all come together but they have some really good pieces in place if they can kind of get the other things situated. Yeah. And it's, I I find it totally understandable. I mean, you're looking at potentially like a college aged roster for a a good chunk of the team, or at least a good chunk of the team that gets significant play. I mean, look look at the starting lineup. Alperin Shingun, 20. Uh, Jalen Green, 20. Jabari Smith, 19. Eric Gordon, 33, 34, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh... Who's the last person? Kevin Porter, 22. So four of those guys are 22, 20, 20, and 19. Have to follow up with the development that you've seen from Jalen Green. And I do get this this weird vibe. I've seen some stuff that I won't rehash, uh, but it seems like he has been scrutinized more than other rookies in his class. And maybe some of that is the, the odd, like, Bill Simmons controversy that came into play that rubbed off on that or whatever, even though they had a decent interview together after that. Um, I, what are your thoughts on Jalen so far? I've been super impressed with his scoring ability, always been impressed with his athleticism. I mean, as with young players and, and much of the rest of this team, there's a lot of things to figure out where to be on the court at certain times, especially on the defensive end. But what are you seeing from him and um, his development so far? Are we going to have uh, a Kobe Powell situation with Jalen and, uh, and Shangun? <laughs> wow, that would be, I, I'm going to have to steal that for the future. That's, that's good. I don't know how- <laughs> I don't know how to think about that. That's that's great. Um, You know, let me start by saying that the top four picks or five picks in his class, they are judged far differently than he is, at least from what I see on Twitter. And then what I hear people in the media say, right? Like there was the whole thing about, oh, Jalen Green's not a first team all rookie. Like since when does a guy, when is the rookie that dropped the most 30 point games and the only 40 point game and 17 (laughs) games second in the, in the rookie class by, 0.4 like since when is that guy not first team all rookie because Herb Jones helped the Pelicans win 36 games it's it's just weird you know it's like no disrespect to Herb Jones but since when has that been the criteria it's like they're redefining and redrawing the lines even now right like Evan Mobley um obviously incredible player Cleveland's a great team and he's a big part of it defensively for sure he's kind of having not a down year but he's not he has shown no statistical growth. Right. And clearly that's because they're stacked and they don't need him to be, you know, but, but part of the Evan Mobley sell, everyone figured he'd be good at defense. Part of the sell was, Hey man, unicorn, right. Ball handling potential, uh, shooting potential, creation potential. He's good at passing. Like people were talking Anthony Davis, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and that's a very high bar. And I'm not saying he won't hit that. He still could, but He's in a limited role because they don't, he's only taking 11 shots a game because they don't need him to do much else. Right. 
So he's putting up like 15, six, and, you know, basically the numbers look exactly like last season. Uh, Scotty Barnes, I think very much the same. I mean, it just kind of looks more or less on paper, like the same person. Uh, Cade, Cade is scoring more, I think. And, you know, he's, I think he's giving, putting up like 20, 21, six and six. Um, he's very inefficient. He shoots, I think, worse from the field percentage-wise than Jalen Green. And people call Jalen Green like a volume chucker. He's still sub-30, I think, percent from, from three. Um, he's not getting to the line. The guys that have that Luka mold, that Harden mold, they get to the line. Kate shooting like three and a half free throws a game. And I know there's going to be people that say, oh, these are base statistics. Like, you know, you're, you're, very, you're, you're judging this very basic, in a very basic manner. And part of that is true, but part of that is also how we judge players, right? We judge by the, by the numbers they put out. Sure. Uh, the Pistons aren't winning games. You know, the, the Cavs are, but again, that's because they traded for Donovan Mitchell to add on to a pretty good team that they had last season. So Evan Mobley has the, the, the luxury of, you know, falling back on his defense and just finishing when they need him to finish. You know, he's going to have really big games. He's going to have games where he has 10 points and five rebounds. And that, that's just because Cleveland's that good. They don't need him to be more than that. Houston needs Jalen Green to be the 20 point per game plus guy. Uh, Jalen Green, when, when he gets the ball, he's, the, the focus of the defense, you know, and then that's just not the case for those other guys. So I agree with you there. And I wanted to speak on that because it's so weird to me. It's like, why can't we celebrate this kid averaging almost 21 points a game? He's had a few very, very inefficient, very poor shooting games some like four of 19 and some six of whatever. Um, and he's still just under 53% TS. So like with, as the season goes on, he'll probably eclipse where he was at last season, which was I think 54.7 or something TS, which was like a tenth or two tenths of a percent behind Evan Mobley, who's getting most of his baskets at the rim. So it's it's just weird. Now onto his him this season. I mean he he's you know as smooth as it gets, right? When the, he's a volume guy, when the shots are falling, he no one makes it look easier at the at this moment in the league. Um, defensively, he's got some growing to do. He still gets lost off ball. My biggest issue with Jalen Green, he's showing some creation potential. Like I said last night, he had six assists. Sometimes he looks lost, but some, but I also think that Silas is not setting him up for success in some of these ways. Everything Jalen Green gets is tough. It's him initiating from five feet behind the three-point line and, and just killing what he eats or eating what he kills, right? There's nothing, there, there's no easy action run for Jalen where it's just like boom, backdoor cut, dunk. You know, it, it's not like at least it's not frequent. Um, so he's earning everything he gets, and it's 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 kind of made tough on him. He also doesn't get respect from the referees for whatever reason. Like he gets hammered and they don't call it. He's only averaging, I think, three or something free throw attempts per game. If and when he can get that respect and get to the line five times, six times, seven times a game, things will change for him. Because to go in hand in hand with that, one of his other issues is finishing at the rim. Right now, he just bolts to the rim and like tries to finesse it like off the off the glass over people uh, or he euros and gets fouled and it doesn't get called or whatever. He doesn't do enough of decelerating at the basket and like, you know, finishing with craft, using a shoulder kind of, uh, I don't know quick step back, pump fake off the glass, whatever it is, you know, just like finding creative ways to finish at the rim. So a lot of times he, he burns somebody and then he runs into bodies at the rim and doesn't take advantage of that. So once he figures that out and, and that's, that's the other thing, like the, with the coaching staff, I just wonder, do they work on these things? Cause it seems really simple. It's, it's basic stuff, shoulder dip, you know, pump fake, like basic stuff that he just doesn't seem to be implementing at the moment. So if, and when he's able to implement that, He's putting up 21, 21 a night right now. If he adds those things, I mean, he could, you know, he'll get to 25 or, or more a night eventually. Um, but again, to be putting up 21 a night at, at 20 years old, I mean, the trajectory is kind of similar to Anthony Edwards, except I think Jalen Green has more potential, uh, just has higher potential. He's just a, a more fluid athlete, a more explosive athlete. 
Ant is stronger. Um, I think Jalen's a better shooter. But either way, that type of tra trajectory, last I checked, I haven't checked it after last night's game, so this might have changed. But I think after the Magic win, he was shooting 36% from three on eight attempts per game. And, and again, these are contested threes. These are step backs. These are like some of them are 33-footers. Like they're not easy shots. They're coming off a curl, you know. So pretty impressive, all things considered. Again, especially considering he's 20. He turns 21 in February. So. Bruce, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Please let our listeners and viewers know where you can find you on social media, your podcast, any other projects you're working on for this year in 2023 as well. Yeah, Justin, Matt, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Always happy to come on. Um, look, man, you can find me on Twitter for the time being. Who knows what's going to happen with, with that app? Um, <laughs> at at uh, Roosh Williams, R-O-O-S-H Williams. Uh, State of the Rockets. Uh, it's State of Rockets on Twitter. Go to YouTube, type in State of the Rockets. And uh, go to Twitter and follow Rockets Watch if you're a Rockets fan, of course. We do live watch parties of the Rockets myself, Jackson Gatlin, and Clutch fans. Um, and we have a bunch of people coming in there. You know, we'll have like 150-something people like live watching the game. And you can kind of be there with other Rockets fans. So check that out. And I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Just let me know if you, uh, if you need me back. Um, and I'm happy to come. Thanks very appreciate much. It, Thank you. Yep. Later, guys. Laters.